Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Albert styles. Meet the new Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. That means more comfort and less baggage. Experience how Allbirds is redefining comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. I can't do it. We'll do it live. Okay. Do it live! I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live! Mister, will you please wake up? Here's Kane now, juking his way to the right lower left corner. Should he score? Oh no, that's turned wide by Layton. Loose puck in the crease. And now it's in the net. They score! The it's Chicago over. Blackhawks are Stanley Cup champions! has just set a Super Bowl record with 12 catches. He's in motion. Montana. Touchdown, John Taylor. Flutie flushed. Throws it down. Caught by Boston College. I don't believe it. It's a touchdown. The Eagles win it. And that's driven deep to left center field. Garner is going back. This is Snowman in the Morning. It indeed is Snowman in the Morning. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Monday edition of Snowman in the Morning. Glad to have you with us. I am not happy. I'll get to that in just a moment. I have RJ's review with Rob Johnson from Legacy uh, Legacy Maker Sports Network. He'll join me. Uh, Jay Spivey will join me, of course, with his Spivey notes, wondering what the hell happened at Bank of America Stadium and Keenan Stadium on Saturday. We'll get to all of that. Of course, um, later on this week, we'll have the College Football Express with Chris Dietz. You may hear that a couple times this week, so let's get into it. Here's a riddle. What do the Cincinnati Bengals, the San Francisco 49ers, the Carolina Panthers, and the Cleveland Browns all have in common after yesterday? Answer, missed opportunities. Carolina lost to the Philadelphia Eagles. Let me say that again for those of you in the cheap seats at Old Veterans Stadium. The Carolina Panthers, in a game they controlled, in a game they controlled. Now, they were turnover happy. Sam Darnold threw four interceptions yesterday. But they controlled that game and should have won it going away. Instead, they're now 3-2 and two in the year after a 21-18 loss to the Philadelphia Eagles. I'm just going to say this as honestly as I can as I review the games in front of me. The Panthers' offense tried to get cute, and they got caught several times. Sam Darnold trying to stick passes in areas where they, where you should have known they weren't going to go. That's why he got picked off four times. And I'll pose, I'll pose a question that I asked a hundred times over, 
and Cole Johnson, who I hope to have this morning, depending on the time, pose the same question. Why are teams allergic to running the football? I've seen this in college. I've seen this in uh, NFL, high school, and college. Why are you afraid to run the football? I mean, the Eagles didn't know who the hell Chuba Hubbard was. I mean, yeah, you got film on him. But at the same time, if your offensive line was in shape, you could have pounded that defense for at least 200 yards. Easy. You could have pounded that defense for 200 yards. But no, you want to get cute and have everything rely on the quarterback. And Sam Darnold has been playing lights out. Let's not get it twisted. Sam Darnold has been playing lights out until he went to Dallas. Sam Darnold has been playing lights out until Philadelphia showed their teeth yesterday. There, are too, there were too many points left on the table for Carolina. Too many. The one example that highlights this statement is when a snap went over Jalen Hurts' head, and I'll get to Jalen Hurts a little bit later. And Carolina did not pounce on it for a touchdown. The ball kept rolling and rolling and rolling and rolling, and they get a safety out of it. So instead of it being 19-3, to it was only 15-3. to And I've always believed that if you let a team score before the end of the first half, it's going to come back and bite you in the ass. What happened at the end of the first half? Philadelphia rides right down the field and gets a field goal. This is on top of the fact that Jalen Hurts, for three and a half quarters, did nothing. Let me say that again. For three and a half quarters, Jalen Hurts and the Philadelphia Eagle offense did nothing. And yet, they were within nine points at halftime with a full 30 minutes. A full 30 minutes. And they were only down 15 to 6. That should have been a blowout. That should have been a blowout. That should have been a blowout. But when you leave eight points on the table in terms of the two field goals, when you leave five, possibly six points on the table in terms of the safety that should have been a touchdown, you keep giving a team like Philadelphia confidence. And I say teams like Philadelphia because you got the New York Jets, you got the Atlanta Falcons, you got a few others spread around the uh, spread around the league. That all you have to do is give them give them a vote of confidence, and that's exactly what Carolina did. Being the better team at three and one record wise, facing a team that's one and three. That's a team you needed to smack, and I mean often. That's a team you needed to just beat the the ever-loving blank out of and keep it pushing. 
But instead, instead, you allowed the Philadelphia Eagles to beat you. It was 15 to 6 at halftime. Should have been the Panthers should have had at least 20 points on the dock on the board in the first half, if not 28. Every one of those possessions that they had should have resulted in some kind of points. The Darnold interception should have known better. Should have known better. And that's for all of his interceptions. He threw four of them yesterday. And that's the fault, I believe, of the coaching staff for not having enough trust in Chuba Hubbard to run the football and run it well. That is the fault of the Panthers not having the offensive line in front of them, which Mick Mixon said was going to be a question for them. Was going to be a question for them. Well, that's a question that should have been answered. I'm sorry. That's a question that should have been answered in the draft when you had two great offensive linemen available, Panay Sewell out of Oregon and Rashawn Slater from my beloved Northwestern Wildcats. I'm sorry. You coughed it up. You coughed it up. But the bad part is the, pa- the Panthers weren't the only ones that goofed up and allowed a team to stay in the game. Let me go to Arizona. Let me go to Glendale, Arizona. 49ers and Cardinals. Chance for the 49ers to get back into the division race against a team I am not impressed with in the Arizona Cardinals. And yesterday proved it. What Arizona did do was take advantage of our ineptitude on offense. Four fourth down chances. You only got one. And the one that you needed to have in the fourth quarter to give you the lead, you cough up the ball at the 50-yard line, they go right down the field and put it in the end zone for the clinching points. 17 five games into the season, And there's still a chance for the 49ers to come back and win the division because this is the toughest division in football. But as I'm watching that game and seeing our ineptitude, Trey Lance, I love you, but you're not a starting quarterback. I'll say it again. Trey Lance, you're not a starting quarterback. I miss Jimmy G. And and yeah, Trey had to get the start, you know, because of Jimmy G's injury. We're missing George Kittle as well. I hate the fact that we're missing Kittle. But be that as it may, you line up and play the team that's in front of you. And if they beat you, then they're the better team that day. Arizona kept stopping our offense. But the one big positive, one of the big positives I will take from this game is something that the Panthers, the Browns, and other teams did not do. 49ers ran the football. 150 yards of of rushing offense. Should have stuck with it. Should have stuck with it. And I bet you when we see them in Santa Clara, the Niners will be back in the race. 
for the division as well as the playoffs, and we'll have a chance to pound Kyler Murray into the dirt because that defense got after Kyler Murray. The Arizona Cardinals made a mistake and relied on Kyler Murray entirely too much and did not shore up their running game. They didn't. They didn't. And going to Cincinnati for a moment. Oh, I mean, look, I have a dear friend by the name of Trey Larkins. I'm going to have him on the show, and we're going to start our show um, very soon. Trey, this is for you. The Packers got lucky because Mason Crosby, until the final field goal of the game, couldn't hit a field goal to save his life. Neither could Cincinnati. Cincinnati had six chances to seal the game. The Packers had five, and they got the one that they needed, which was an overtime. But I don't want to hear anything out of you, Trey Larkins, who went to the game yesterday at Paul Brown Stadium because he lives in Cincy. And I, he sent me some pictures this morning. And he says, I saw my Packers beat the Bengals live in Cincinnati, but the Bengals are much improved. Damn right. Damn right they're improved. But at the same time, when you get chance after chance, Baker Mayfield, this is to you, to win the game or put the game away and you don't take advantage of it, you deserve to lose. Now, Aaron Rodgers and the Packers got it done yesterday in overtime. Aaron Rodgers and the Packers got it done, okay? But, boy, I wouldn't want to have hear, heard Trey's voice had they lost. The Bengals are indeed a much improved team, very much improved. But the whole point of this first segment is you can't leave points on the table. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Carolina left at least 30 points on the table yesterday. At least 30. When they could have walked out of Bank of America Stadium with their head held high in blasting the Philadelphia Eagles. Instead, it's Philadelphia walking out of Bank of America Stadium with their head held high because they're within a game of 500, just like the 49ers are. And they think, and they're thinking, hey, we got a little confidence coming into our next game. I just hope that this does not start a very disturbing, disturbing trend. I really hope this does not start a disturbing trend for some of the teams that I picked, a couple of others picked, to be good, and they're not. And they're not. 
If I were Carol if I were Carolina Panthers and their fans, take a look. Cause you might have some trouble coming down the line. You just might have some trouble coming down the line. That's how we start here on Snowman in the Morning. When we come back, RJ's review, and I got a couple of other things in the morning mashup. Stick around. This is Snowman in the Morning. Snowman of the Morning continues, and finally, I'm going to introduce a segment I have been planning on and trying to put together, but uh, haven't had a chance to. Haven't had a chance to do it right. I had uh, got something on uh, Friday, but we're going to do something we like to call the Morning Mashup, and I'll explain as we go along. Swinging a ground ball, base hit the center. Leori is in. Hernandez stops at second. It's 12 to 6. Third down, five yards to go. The snap. Mahomes steps up, fires the pass. Off the hands, intercepted by Micah Hyde at the 10, at the 5. Touchdown, Buffalo. Micah Hyde got the tip pass and cruised into the end zone for the Buffalo touchdown. Although we take it seriously, we also have fun with it. And uh, we've been having fun for, for a long, long time. Although it doesn't look from, from other from other areas or whatever the people watch it, but uh, we love we love the group. We love what we do. We we're having fun, and uh, here we are. Here's the snap. Josh going to keep it himself and run it again inside the five into the end zone. Touchdown, Buffalo! Josh Allen nine-yard touchdown run. The Bills respond and then some on their opening drive. Winning run at first. Young Luis Patino delivers, and there's a drive left field, high and deep, back by the wall. Gone! Red Sox win it! Christian Vasquez! A two-run homer, can you believe it? 6-4 Boston in 13 innings. And Vasquez getting mobbed, fires his helmet in the air as he approaches home plate and is being mobbed. Way too many penalties, I think. When you have eight holding penalties and you struggle in a short yardage situation, uh, and field position is hard to come by, it's going to be a fist, fist fight. And they won this one today. Congratulations to them. And Jones abandons the backfield. They go wildcat with Damian Harris waiting on the snap from Andrews. He takes it. He runs to the left. And Harris Got to it. the goal line and in. Bruising forward. Touchdown, Patriots. For us to play like we did today, uh, it starts with Justin. But like I told the team in there, the reason why he's being able to, you know, play the way he's capable of playing is because he has a really good team around him. Our offensive line was outstanding today. Our receivers, tight ends, and backs were fantastic. And then what that does is allows him to go be who we all know he is. And, and But you cannot win a game like that if you don't have a player like Justin Herbert. Third down and six from the 13. Shotgun snap to Jones with a four-man rush. Throws it to the end zone. Open yeah. Henry. Sliding grab. Touchdown, Patriots. Just inside the far sideline. 
Now it's full. The snap and the placement. Swing to the right leg. The kick. Airborne to the uprights is good. And the Patriots have the lead with 15 seconds to go. I'm having fun, aren't you? This is our morning mashup. I got more stuff for you, folks. Snap to Kyler. He throws a fade left side in the end zone. And it is caught for a touchdown by D-Hop. D-Hop caught it with Josh Norman draped all over him trying to pull the ball away. Even if it's a simultaneous catch, it goes to the offense. They lift DeAndre Hopkins up in celebration after an incredible grab for a touchdown. Herbert under center, Eckler in the backfield. Hand off to Eckler. They're trying to let him score. They are. And they are pushing him, in. him into the end zone oh, for a touchdown. They pulled him into the end zone. Yeah. So Fields under center takes. Play fake. Fields rolling to his right. Hit as he delivers into the end zone. Touchdown! Jesper Horsted! Touchdown, Bears! Fields took another pop. Bears have the lead. 6-3. Wait a minute. When did Jeff Joniak get in on the fun? Williams alone back. Fields from center takes turns, giving it to Williams, bouncing to the outside left. Nice spin in the open field, into the end zone, for the touchdown. Touchdown, Bears! Damian Williams in from the four. Bears extend their lead over the Raiders to 13-3 here in Vegas. Evans moves to the slot. Brady drops. Pressure coming. Gets the pass. Oh, boy. Caught ball. 50. Out of the foot race to the 40. It's at Antonio Brown to the 20. 15, 10, 5. Touchdown, Tampa Bay. Antonio Brown takes it to the north end zone. Fire the cannon. Fire the cannon. Is it Gene Deckeroff? What are you doing here in the, in the morning mashup, man? What's up with all? What, what, what's, what's up with all this? It was inevitable somebody was going to do it in time. So, hey, it, it happened to be us. That's great. But it, that doesn't mean anything to me because that's not a goal that I'm trying to, to talk about or do. I want our organization, our program to do well. That's, that's the only thing I care about. Jim Bo Fisher after Saturday night. We're all tied at 29. We await the snap. There it is. Hold is down. Kick is up. It'll have plenty of leg. He nailed it. Notre Dame leads 32-29. Notre Dame? When did I let Notre Dame into this conversation? What in the world is going on here? Garcia pitches. Crawford swing it. He drives one. Right center field. Pretty deep. Way back there. And goodbye! Into the Dodger bullpen. 4-0 Giants. Brandon Crawford against the left-hander. Hits a rocket. Midway between the 391 side in center and the 415 side in deep right center. A little extra insurance for the Giants and a 4-0 lead now. Well, that'll conclude this version of the Monday mashup. And I hope you all had fun. I'm I'm putting it together as we as, as we go along. I'm gonna get some suggestions on how to really do this, how to really mix in the highlights and mix in conversation as well. But uh, that's the Monday mashup. Uh, we'll have a mashup every morning of highlights and conversation and quotes and interviews and thanks to all the team uh, to all of, uh, the teams, uh, especially in highlight uh, Jeff Joniak from the Chicago Bears, also uh, Dave Pash from the uh, Arizona Cardinals and quite a few more. Um, I, I want to make this a project that uh, we really, really improve on. And something I'm going to introduce tomorrow 
is my version of Herd's Hierarchy. Colin Cowherd had his Herd's Hierarchy. I'll have my top 10 tomorrow of, uh, of uh, NFL teams. And later on this week, top 10 college teams, courtesy of Chris Dietz inside of the Express. Time for a break. And when we come back, it's RJ's Weekend Review. What does Rob Johnson have in store for us this time? You'll find out when y'all get back. This is Snowman in the Morning. This is Snowman in the Morning. Hey, Toeman, we're waiting for you. This is Snowman in the Morning. It is indeed the Monday edition of Snowman in the Morning, and we keep it rolling with RJ's review. Rob Johnson from. Morning, sir. Good morning. I. I'm glad to be here. Thank you for having me on. Okay. Do we start in do do we start in Texas or, or do we start in California? Um <laughs> well, I guess I, I guess we can start in California. I, mean, I guess we can start in Texas because in California I don't have, I don't have a mask right now. So um <laughs> at 4138 AM wins on a walk off. Georgia assumes the top spot in the polls. Alabama drops to five. Should Alabama worry? I'm thinking no. Um, looking at Alabama, and I actually I watched this game. I analyzed this game. A and M has not been very good this year, and I understand it was a Saturday night, and it was a lot of emotions going on. But it, I'm I'm not saying that this is the end of the dynasty by any stretch of the imagination. But you're starting to get that feeling that maybe that that was a tide turning loss, especially to that A and M team. Um, you know, when I look at the game, I look at everything. Damn, but yeah. Texas A and Texas Texas A M did to, did more to win. And for me, the problem I have, Snowman, and the reason that I'm so against a 12 team playoff, can would, would make the playoff every single year. Yeah, for would. them to only for them to only drop four slots. To me, is, is is a problem. I will say this: they do have a problem, and their problem are two teams, and those are teams that are going to be playing in Athens, Georgia, this Saturday. Mm-hmm. Not only not only the Georgia Bulldogs, but are you ready for this? The Kentucky Wildcats. I agree. I agree. I agree, and they need and they have to see both of them. You know, there there's a possibility they may wind up seeing George they they may wind up seeing either Georgia or Kentucky in the SEC championship in Atlanta. Kentucky is balling out this year. Yeah, but can I also mention this to your audience? I think one thing that makes me laugh is and you know people talk about bias, like, you know, West Coast bias and this bias. There there there's a Southeastern Conference bias. Because <laughs> if you remember there was a time where uh, people would come on television and say, you know, all these teams like the Big 12 are scoring all these points. And the uh, Big and the SEC is tough and rugged and they're playing defense. Now the SEC is the Big 12 and everybody seems to be fine with it. So, you know, let's just say that we don't get a, a SEC team in the in the playoff, which it, it's not inconceivable that it, it won't happen. It, it, it won't happen because exactly. you, you, you have some teams in the top 10 who um, could, could, you know, and then you still have Ohio State, who has that one good loss to Oregon, who's still in the top ten. So, the SEC really has to be careful. That 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 Alabama loss to A and M could be a tie turning um, loss. It really, really could. 
And you mentioned some of the other teams that are competing, one of which we'll talk about now, which is the Bearcats of Cincinnati. Cincinnati went to Notre Dame, beat them by double digits. Then they crushed Temple. They're undefeated right now, number three in the nation. But we all know how that bias goes. We saw it with Boise State a decade ago. We saw it with TCU around the around the same time. Matter of fact, we saw it with Boise State a couple of times, even when they opened the season going to Washington and beating Virginia Tech on opening night. They still didn't get into the playoff. They were waiting for the other shoe to drop. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen. Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups. It's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Will it take will it will it take Cincinnati running the table plus winning their conference title for us to get a team to finally to get a non-power of five team to finally bust the power the uh, the the playoffs? Um, Mitch, I, 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 like I said, let's hope it does. But this is what's going on for Cincinnati, and the thing is that we talk about style points. We talk about you know teams that can help other teams. Well, well, here's the thing. Notre Dame has to keep winning. And if mm-hmm. you remember, you know, Florida State did lose Jacksonville State, but Florida State, Florida State is starting to get on a winning streak. They're starting to win. So that helps Notre Dame, and that helps Notre Dame's case, and it helps Cincinnati because um, Cincinnati got beat. Cincinnati beat Notre Dame by a good margin. Yep. But the thing is that you just beat Temple. So here, here's the schedule. Here's the schedule for these guys going down the line. Um, it's, it's, it's not, it's not a world beater by, by any stretch, but there is a potential game where this could really help out Cincinnati, where Cincinnati has to be careful. Um, next, next week, which is October 16th, they have, uh, UCF at home, uh, Navy on the road, Tulane on the road. They have Tulsa at home. Tulsa is never easy. Anybody who knows college football knows Tulsa is not easy. (laughs) No, you got, you got, you got at South Florida, which is always dicey. South Florida can always find ways to beat people no matter who you are. I'm going to skip the game. They have at East Carolina, which is also very people who play East Carolina. East Carolina is very dicey on the road, especially mm-hmm. you're talking about late November game. But the key game for Cincinnati, and this could be a college uh, ESPN college game day game, is November the 20th when they play host. To SMU, who is currently undefeated themselves. Yes, I'm looking so forward we, so to we, that. So, yep. So we are looking at a Cincinnati team who people will look at their schedule and say it's not a big deal. They've got a tough schedule, in my opinion. I don't care what anybody, they anybody do. who who really knows college football knows these atmospheres. They got a tough schedule. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Especially that one you pointed out with uh, with with SMU coming in November. 
Can Oregon leapfrog teams to get back into the Final Four, or are their chances out? Man, you know, you asked me a tough question there. And All right, so we got Georgia at one, Iowa, Cincinnati, Oklahoma, Alabama, uh, Ohio State, Penn State, Michigan, and Oregon. Um, there is a good possibility still, man, because you got to think about Michigan. Michigan State got to play Penn State has a knack of doing some weird things at times. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ohio, Ohio State is ahead of Oregon. If if it comes down to it, and let's hope the bias doesn't, again, it's that word bias. Yes. You can't, you can't put Ohio State over Oregon if it comes down to it. You look at Alabama, uh, Oklahoma. We know Oklahoma has been living on the edge quite mm-hmm. literally this season. But let's go to Alabama. Let's look at their schedule. I mean, they have a tough game in Mississippi State this upcoming week. Yeah. Mississippi State with that air raid offense, you know, Mike Leach, you know, Mike, <laughs> Mike, Leach, Mike Leach has a knack for doing things. Yeah, now, is. on October 23rd, they got Tennessee. Surprisingly, folks, Tennessee's playing better. Mm-hmm. They have LSU, which LSU is not really playing that well. Um, New Mexico State, Arkansas, and Auburn. I don't really look at that schedule as being a world beater, but I will say you have to watch out against Mississippi State. It's a 7 o'clock game. It's a night game, mm-hmm. and that Tennessee, that Tennessee game is going to be a little bit more dicey than people think. So I'll be honest with you, Snowman, the Oregon Ducks have a great chance to get to the college football playoff. They just have to be more consistent. Right. Uh, they have to play They have to play their game, and they have to get, get rid of the injuries. The injuries uh, totally have been taking, have been messing with them. And even, you know, even a UCLA team who has been struggling, they're still going to go there. Uh, they got a games at Washington, which, as you know, as a college football fan, again, mm-hmm. is always a dicey place to play. Yes, it you is. Got, you, you, have, you have at Utah on November 20th. Utah and Utah's no walk in the park either. You talking upset anybody at any time, and then you got to play those, those, um, those, those pesky guys from Corvallis. Your last game yep. of the season, the Oregon State Beavers. So, mm-hmm. um, to me, like I said, Oregon has a good chance. Just that their quarterback Brown, he has to be consistent. You know, he's a transfer from Boston College. Uh, they have the number one defensive player in the country. Uh, he has to be more consistent. He has to stay healthy, um, and just avoid and just avoid Stanford at all costs. And, and, and for the rest of your football lives, and they'll be good. Yeah, yeah. Stanford, <laughs> Stanford dropped Oregon thirty-one twenty-four. Two weeks ago, and Stanford always plays Oregon tough. The two teams that always give Oregon problems in the Pac-10 or Pac-12, rather, are Washington State and Stanford. And if you want to add a third, you can add Arizona. But they took care of Arizona earlier in the year. Let's go to Southern California as we continue RJ's review here on Snowman in the Morning. Can we finally put some respect on Justin Herbert's name? We can, but listen, I like Justin Herbert. I really do, but I think that I think that we have uh, Patrick Mahomes. Um, what's the word I'm trying to say? I think that the media is kind. Of, I think us as a media, like we we want like a new king because right. you know Patrick Mahomes has been dominating for so long, and you mm-hmm. have this guy, this 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 cool, calm, collective sitting in, in Southern California, and and um and Justin Herbert. You know he's been playing very good. You know he, he he's had great games. He, they put 47 points on the board yesterday. He had, I believe, uh, four more touchdowns. Uh, he's been dominating. He's been doing everything that you want your young quarterback to do. But here's the thing. He doesn't have any playoff success yet. We have to pump the brakes. We have to remember this is still the, the Los Angeles Chargers. They have ways 
just like the Las Vegas Raiders of starting out really hot yeah. and then disappointing us. So uh, and I'm so be- glad you br- I'm so glad you brought up the Raiders. We I'm so I'm, I'm so glad you brought up the Raiders uh, mm-hmm. because you know everybody was like on their bandwagon, and then the Bears showed up, and then Justin Fields and and company held them to single points. You know, Bears won that game twenty to nine. Back to Justin Herbert for just a quick second. What's it going to take for Herbert to punch his ticket into the class of elite quarterbacks? He's going to have to win a playoff game. He's going to have to win a playoff game. And like I said, this is not – and I believe Justin Herbert is a great quarterback. Trust me, from Oregon, I had him going very high in the draft. However, we know how this game works. We know how the narrative works. Mm-hmm. As great as Peyton Manning was, if you remember, he got B.I. Blues 41 and nothing against the Jets. A lot of people forget about that. Right. 41 against the Jets in the playoffs. No playoff wins. He took him to the next year to get a playoff win, I believe. Right. If, I think this was like 2000 when Herm Edwards was the coach. Two, two, you have a history with the LA Chargers. You have a history of Phillip Rivers, of Drew Brees, and you have a history of Dan Fouts, of great quarterbacks who could just couldn't get over the hump. Mm-hmm. For, for the LA Chargers to really get, and for Justin Herbert to get that credit, in my opinion, not only do they have to win the division, but they're going to have to beat um, Kansas City at least one or two more times, and that includes the playoffs, if you know what I'm saying. Well, they already got them once yeah. earlier in the year. They beat them in Arrowhead 30-24. to 24. They're four, Yep, they're 4-1. They're, they're mm-hmm. Now, now their worst performance so far has been surprisingly against, and I can't believe I'm saying this, was against the Dallas Cowboys. Yes. And there's a possibility that we could see both of those teams in SoFi again, which would be awesome because – um, those two teams had an awesome game, and Justin Herbert left a lot of things on the field. Mm-hmm. In fact, in fact, I'll say this: if Justin Herbert and his team didn't leave some things on the field, we'd be looking at a five and zero team right now. Exactly. So, yeah. So Justin Herbert, in my opinion, like I said, he just has to keep playing when he has, playing the way he's playing. Just make sure he's consistent. That's the biggest thing with the LA Chargers: consistency. Get to the playoffs, win a playoff game or two, and he, he's right there in the league company. No, no, no doubt about it. No we can. Weekend review with RJ. RJ's review. Rob Johnson joining me. Touch the NBA real quick before we get out of here and get to a oh and, and get to a break. <laughs> oh boy! Oh boy! I, I, before before you say anything, I know exactly where you're going. I think it's in California. <laughs> I'm not going to California yet. I'm going to New York. Mm. What are the what what the hell is Kyrie Irving doing? I just okay. I just need an answer to that question. <laughs> hey, listen, 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 listen. Um, I think the people comparing him to Muhammad Ali are going a little bit too far. <laughs> just a little bit too far. But but but, but let, let me say this. This virus and, 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 and I want to speak on the virus real quick. I was very disgusted yesterday because I saw a commercial from the from the NFL that said, Well, you know, you know, a lot of people missed their cancer screens because of the fact that, you know, you know, people were so uh, caught up with COVID. I'm like, yeah, think, yeah, think. <laughs> you, you, you figure that out all by yourself. And, and like I said, because cancer, I just want about, to ten, about like, 10 years too late. Cause remember I am a cancer patient. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I want to, and I want to put that out there, everybody is, and I want to put that out there, everybody, because not only as a journalist, but as a journalist, we'll let everyone know, even though we're going through COVID, make sure you get your screenings. Please you know, do. 
don't 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 let the don't don't let the scares of what the media is telling you prevent you from going to get your other checks diabetes heart disease etc yes et yes now let's get to mr Kyrie Irving. <laughs> i understand that i understand that he is very hesitant about the shot trust me i'm still doing my research as well mm-hmm. but what i don't but what i don't understand about about what's going on is now they're saying he's allowed to practice because of he he, he hasn't he doesn't have close contact or whatever they're talking about and it doesn't make any sense to me. Nope. But you're supposed to lose three hundred eighty-one thousand dollars a game, and if he's willing to give up three hundred and eighty-one thousand dollars a game, that's forty-one home games. I believe if I'm correct. Yep, back, forty-one I'm, home games. We're back to a full eighty-two game schedule. Yep, forty-one home games. Then hey, that that must be what that must be something that he's very convinced about. But yeah. I'll say this: I think it is time for the um, Brooklyn Nets to go ahead and trade him because you can't have this. Exactly. This is unprecedented. This is unprecedented. You can't have this. You know, if you're in, that's $4,191,000. My God, um, <laughs> that's a lot of money. I mean, but, um, I'm not walking away from that. I mean, I got my shot before the Super Bowl. Oh, oh no, excuse me, excuse me. My, <laughs> math, my, math, my math was incorrect. I'm sorry. That's $15,621,000. Even more losing. reason not to walk away. Yeah, I told but, you I got my shot before before Super Bowl Fifty Five. My my whole family's vaccinated. Yeah. We took so, care, we took so, care of that at first opportunity. <laughs> so so I, I can't tell another man how to feel about his body. I'm not right. going to be one of these guys to come on TV or come on radio tell another man what to feel about his body. But mm-hmm. the Brooklyn but the Brooklyn Nets right now are in a dilemma. They're in a dilemma because James Star Harden still has to resign. Yep. Kevin Durant can still get traded out of there. Brooklyn can go from can go from Brooklyn riding high to Brooklyn look look like he did maybe about four or five years ago. So <laughs> yeah. I'm serious. Yeah. And, so yeah. That, and that's the thing. So so if I'm if I'm if I'm if I'm the Brooklyn Nets, I I dump him back in Cleveland and keep it moving. Seriously. No argument keep, from me. No argument no argument from me. Back in Cleveland yep. and then and then and then he doesn't have to worry yeah, about I, it and they don't have to worry about it because yep. it's just become too much of a headache at this point. Yep. Yep. Way too much of a headache. That's RJ's review here on Snowman in the Morning. Have him, I'll have him on every Monday. I promise y'all we're getting it together. Always a pleasure to have you on, my friend. I really appreciate it. Yes, sir. Coming up next, the White Sox responded big time, and I'm so happy they did. But they still have business to take care of. This is the Monday edition of Snowman in the Morning And I'm back in a flash. This is Snowman in the Morning. Mister, how do you operate this Twitter thing or this Instagram thing or whatever the heck? You're supposed to know all this stuff. Anyway, welcome back to the show. Wrapping up hour one here on uh, Snowman in the Morning. Sorry for the interference there. Coming to you from Raleigh, North Carolina. And I am so happy that the White Sox responded after getting, you know, well, they didn't lose badly in Houston. But like I told y'all, Houston is a professional hitting baseball team. I've been telling you that for a year. And everybody that wants to see Houston lose, not so fast. This is a damn good ball club. But so are the White Sox. 
And boy, game three, yes, in the most obvious of cases, was a must win. And I'm so glad that the White Sox responded, and they won game three, 12 to 6, forcing a game four this afternoon, which I will be paying attention to. And should they take care of business, and I expect them to because they're at home, they have a chance to do something that the Boston Red Sox did in 1999, and that's win game five on the road. Now, that's been done a couple of times. You know, the hell, the Cubs did it. The Cubs did it 2017 when they beat Washington. But be that as it may, they but how did Rich Eisen put it during his Sports Center days? They bust out the whooping stick. <laughs> oh man. And I love I like I said, I love the fact that the bats woke up. Yasmani Grandal talked about the White Sox being no stranger to comebacks. We've had plenty of games during the year where we've been down early by a lot of runs and, and we've been able to come back and uh and, and take the lead. So um today was was no difference. And he also talked of the fans. You know, these fans are incredible. So the fact that Everybody was here. Um, was great. You know, all blacked out. It was awesome. Um, so hopefully, uh, we'll have it tomorrow again, and you know, keep rocking. The fans were rocking last night. They were doing that. Carlos Rodon would get the start today in Game Four. Grandal offered his thoughts. He's been saying that, so I'm I'm excited about that. Um, you know, Carlos is a competitor. He wants to be out there. He wants to make sure he. He's on the mound. Um, we, we've seen what he can do when, when he's uh, full go. So the fact that he's actually been saying, hey, you know, I, I got it, I got it, I got it, um, it's great news to hear. So I'm very excited for that. I'm excited too. I want to see what Rodon does today. It's a 3.30 pitch Eastern time for game four. And again, the White Sox face a must-win situation. And, yeah, it's a must win, but doggone it, I can't wait. But you're facing you're facing one of the – oh, my gosh. I mean, I love Tampa Bay, and I love the fact that Tampa, Tampa Bay is the uh, top seed in the East. But everyone wants to discount the Houston Astros. Why? And for that matter, after giving the first two games as reasoning, they wanted to scout the Chicago White Sox. Don't do that. P.N. the White Sox. Eloy Jimenez. Mount Eloy got the scoring started. Here's the 0-1. Base hit center field. Anderson around third. He will score. White Sox lead one to nothing in the first. And they busted out the old White Sox song that we played in 2005. You know, Houston answered with five straight, led 5-1. But then one of the heroes, yes, Monty Grandal, came up in the bottom of the third. The pitch driven in the air to left. Well hit. Brantley back. It is gone. It's a home run. And they're within two. And the fans are back in it. 
Yeah, they are back. They they were back in it. It was 5-3 Houston at the time, but then Lauri Garcia pointed to a target in center field and did this. 3-1 pitch, hammered in the air, deep center field. That baby, run, oh, a home run. Three-run homer, Leori, and they've got the lead. Well, Houston tied it at six, as all professional teams do, but then the White Sox came back to bat, and Jose Abreu made his appearance. A lot of room on the right side. The pitch, Jose hits a ground ball, Correa can't get it in the center. Tim's going to score. Robert to third. It's seven to six. White Sox add on to their lead, courtesy of Andrew Vaughn. 0-2, golfed in the air, out in the left center. That ball's going to get to the wall. Moncada rounding third. He's going to score a huge insurance run. It's 10-6. Final was 12-6 as the White Sox creep back into the series. They're down two games to one. And today is a must win. Uh, today is a must win. Game four this afternoon. The start time is 3.30 Eastern time. And, uh, well, may the best team win because you got two of the best playing each other right now. You know what I wish, though? I wish that it was a league championship series where it's four out of seven instead of three out of five. Because anybody that knows their history remembers we beat them in 2005 four straight to win the world championship. They have just gotten better. They had a time where they were just like ugh, bottom of the barrel. But then they built the team the way they were supposed to build it. And now they're on the precipice of, you know, getting back to the league championship series. Hell, they came within a game of getting back to the world series in 2020. Let me explain that. Let me say that again. They came within a game of getting back to the World Series in 2020, erasing a three-game deficit. Now, if they can erase a three-game deficit to the eventual American League champions in Tampa Bay, I know for a blankety-blank fact that the White Sox can erase a two-game deficit to the Houston Astros and come back and win this series. I still have them winning this series. But what I said also is that the White Sox had to get one in Texas. They had to get one in Texas. They led game two, four to two, but then the Astros came alive, tied the game, and then a five-run seventh won the game for them, nine to four. Was I feeling all sorts of down? Yeah, because this is my team. But I also know how good the Houston Astros are. I know how good they are. You can't take anything away from them. Scandal aside, scandal aside, you can't take anything away from them. And if you continue to do that, then that's on you. That's on you. And I know many friends that still uh, hold that scandal above their, uh, above their heads, okay? I understand that. But be that as it may, I believe the Astros, with a different manager and different um, management, mind you, because all, all the folks that were involved in that 2017 scandal, they told them, hit the road, Jack, including A.J. Hinch. And then Dusty Baker became the manager, 
And a lot of people were saying, well, let's see how good they are with Dusty Baker being the manager. I believe the fact that they came within an eyelash of the World Series last year and the fact that they won the American League West this year with 96 wins should tell you how good this Houston Astro team is. And I already know some of the narratives that are coming, okay? I already know some of the narratives that are coming. Let's just say that the White Sox come all the way back and win this series and win game five in Texas. I already know what the narratives are going to be. Dusty Baker is not a playoff manager. The Astros are getting karma. No, should the White Sox come back and win this series, they just got outplayed. That's why you play this best of five or best of seven series. May the best team win. Period. It's may the best team win. And I got no problem with that. I got no problem facing the Houston Astros today in game four. I got no problem whatsoever with the Houston Astros and how they are as a baseball team now. Did they pay the price when they got zapped? Yes. But since then, they've been doing nothing but winning. I believe in my eyes they have proven that they can win without the trash cans and any other piece of the scandal that people want to uh, continue to point out and still call them cheaters. Okay. Call them cheaters all you want. But to me, they got my apology last year because of them beating the Oakland A's in the wild card round or in the division series, I beg your pardon, and then wiping out a three-game deficit to get to a seventh game in the league championship series. They have my respect. That's all I got to say. They have my respect and made the best team win today in game four at Guaranteed Rate Field in my hometown of Chicago. But there is a big part of me that's hoping the White Sox pull this off and at least get to game five in Houston. If not, it was a great year and a lot to build on for this White Sox team. Two years of White Sox failures when you have such a young ball club does not amount to a hill of beans when you have the bulk of your ball club locked up and in control for the next three, four, or maybe five years. John Zaglow said it best. The White Sox, in doing this the way the Cubs did not, bought themselves a five-year window. A five-year window. They bought themselves a five-year World Series window. And I hope that they continue to get it right, let Tony La Russa do his thing, and keep signing these young bucks. Because as the slogan of theirs was, about 10 years ago, hey, these kids can play. And they play today at 3.30. But you're facing, I believe, one of the best teams in the majors in the Houston Astros. I said it last year. I said it this year. I said I wouldn't be surprised if they run away with the West 
And they did run away with the West. I mean, Oakland had a 13-game losing, a uh, 13-game winning streak. I beg your pardon. What? What did he get him? Third place in the division. Seattle damn near snuck in the playoffs if the Red Sox and the Yankees didn't do their thing. There is a fourth game today. The White Sox are in it. The Astros are in it. Anybody can win this series. Either one of these teams can win this series. Am I pulling hard for my White Sox? You damn right. But at the same time, I follow the Houston Astros. And they're pretty damn good. That's Snowman's take. Division series style. What's yours? Give me your responses at official SIT Morn on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. That's at official SIT Morn. Working on the time change and a couple of other things, but we got the second hour of Snowman in the Morning. It's coming your way next. This is Snowman in the Morning. What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.